0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, Or just catch up on previous episodes you may have already missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and ensures you never miss another episode. With the Jets currently out, I thought I would take a look at some of the stuff from around the league, some news and updates, rumors, all the fun stuff because I feel like there's quite a bit going on and it might be time to start talking about the Jets in regards to the postseason. Barring a really bad stumble, I feel like the Jets are more or less on the path to actually making the playoffs, which, you know, for better or for worse with this team, ensures that they will get some kind of an interesting matchup come playoff time. We've seen a couple of the teams that the Jets have struggled against, and not because their opponents were particularly great, but because the Jets, in some ways, especially tactically speaking, and, you know, in a little bit of the roster composition too, lack certain tools to get themselves out of very specific situations. So, let's talk about the current projected opponent for the Jets in the first round of the playoffs, which would be the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I think the Jets against the Oilers have a very frustrating matchup, in my opinion, because when it comes to trying to stop Edmonton, you don't actually have to do that much for most of the team. The problem kind of comes once you start facing either of the top two lines. You know, the Jets have a lot of really distributed balance across their forward lineup, relatively speaking to how Edmonton is arranged, but I think the problem for the Jets is that they don't really have anyone who can quite match the, the tempo of a Connor McDavid or a Leon Drysaddle. Dreisaitl is probably the guy that they're most equipped to handle, but when it comes to McDavid, virtually no skater in the league is really equipped to handle him. I think the only players that really come close tend to be guys like, you know, um, maybe Nathan McKinnon. Ehlers, of course, is a shout. There are a handful of other players, but generally speaking, if McDavid wants to score, he'll score on you. It's just what he does. I think when you play Edmonton, though, you do have to make some tactical adjustments, and I think the first thing is that if you're on the road, right, and you you, you lack the last change, you kind of need to keep that in mind and plan for it when you're shifting guys out there, because oftentimes it seems like Dave Tippett wants to match McDavid's line against Mark Shifley's line, which I don't know if that is specifically what Edmonton wants to do, or the Jets just keep running with it. My my feeling is that Tippett has recognized that McDavid is kind of slapping that line around because very specifically, it seems like they've avoided matching McDavid against the second line, and for the most part, some of the third line too. Those middle two lines are probably the ones most likely to be able to stop, you know, any form of McDavid's progress, which, to be honest, I feel like saying you stop him is kind of relative, right? You're basically trying to inconvenience McDavid, and I think that that's the sum total of how you approach Edmonton. Because, quite frankly, you can stop a lot of the other lines. Outside of the McDavid line, which often has Yesapuya RV, or Leon Drysaddle depending on what time of the game it is... You can basically shut down guys like Jujar Kaira, uh, Kyler Yamamoto, Alex Chason. I mean, there's a lot of depth forwards there. I mean, they often bring in some guy named Gaten Haas, who I don't really know if he's actually an NHLer or if he's more of like an AHLer who just found his way onto the Oilers roster. So I, I look at this team, and it's very top-heavy, but I think the top of that team is good enough to get past Winnipeg. So if you're the Jets and you understand that McDavid's line has basically been handing Mark Scheifele his lunch— then account for that and start using your second and third lines a little bit more frequently. I know that the uh, the ice distribution doesn't really work out for the Jets. Oftentimes, they put out the top line around 20-plus minutes a night. If you want to face off against 97 and Edmonton, I think you need to split it up a little more evenly. I don't love the idea of rolling all three lines against McDavid just because, in theory, I think it works out, but I think in practice, we all know McDavid's probably capable of smoking all three units. That said, I'd rather run the tables and take the gamble that he can at least maybe lose one or two matchups here and there, rather than winning every single matchup against 55. And just so we're clear, I'm not singling out Merck Shifley. for this one. I think this is just his line in particular, because he's got Blake Wheeler and Paul Stastny on it. You know, those guys aren't really fast enough to handle what McDavid throws at you. In order to really have any sort of a prayer against Connor and in, in the line that he plays on, you basically have to have guys who are very fast in transition. And the only skaters who really fit those molds tend to be guys like Kyle Connor. Uh, at times Mark Mark Shifley can be fleet of foot, Nikolai Ehlers, Mason Appleton, maybe Matthew Perot. There aren't many players, though, who can actually outskate McDavid. In fact, no one really can. His edge work and his acceleration and top gear are basically unmatched. But when I say matching McDavid in terms of speed, I mean in the ability to make zone exits, to think at his, his, his pace, generally speaking. You won't touch his level of IQ or anything, but you can sort of function Somewhere in the proximity, at least enough to try and make a counter against him. I think it's always very difficult in working to contain and limit the amount of damage that McDavid does, because right now, he's basically unstoppable. He's playing some of the best hockey of his career. Uh, You know, McDavid is sort of an unbridled monster, and so you have to sort of expect that you will lose most of your matchups against him. That said, I did see a couple of shifts from the, the, you know, Lowry line against his unit that... Seemingly got zone exits, I wouldn't say they were clean, maybe they were a bit fortunate, but at the very least, these guys have a little bit more defensive acumen than the top line, and certainly the speed and physicality to make, you know, controlled zone exits under pressure. On the back end, the Jets probably have a slight advantage. I'll say that uh, Darnell Nurse has been a bit of an annoyance when it comes to goal scoring. I think he scored his like 10th goal against the Jets yesterday. And I mean 10th goal across the league, not specifically against Winnipeg. He scored basically against everyone, and it's often on very similar plays down that left flank side. Aside from that, though, you know, you look at Edmonton's blue line, and there's not a whole lot where you're really thinking you're going to be stressed out about it. The Jets are going to have to get really tight in towards Mike Smith, because let's be honest, Smith is not that great when it comes to goaltending, and certainly in terms of puck security, stability in net, and managing chaos inside the crease. If you create a lot of havoc down low in front of him and can basically get him scrambling around, the Jets are going to score tons of goals against him. Koskinen's a bit more secure, but again, unless he has that really good blue line support from Edmonton, he's also going to be very vulnerable to the way that the Jets attack, especially off the rush. The gameplay needs to be to try and at least spread out McDavid's matchups across all three lines so that you don't wear down the Jets as much, you keep the forwards a little bit fresher, and you give Winnipeg a slight fighting chance to sort of outlast those McDavid matchups. We know that the Oilers aren't exactly the strongest team in this division. Toronto still owns that title, but... Edmonton is certainly a dangerous opponent, and I don't really relish the idea of facing Dave Tippett's trap, especially if Edmonton gets a lead. All of this, of course, is going to be a little bit challenging if the Jets don't make any roster moves. In just a moment, we'll take a look at a couple of options that they do have if they want to make some acquisitions, and how the trade market may be slightly different than what was expected. Before we get to that, though, you need to hear a little bit about why rockauto.com needs to be your one-stop shop for all your auto part buying needs. When it comes to buying auto parts, a lot of us aren't super experienced. You know, we don't really know the market, we don't know what the best prices are, we might not even know what we're looking for. If you want to stop messing around and wasting time and money, look no further than RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? Placing your order is super easy. Just go to RockAuto.com, check out, and when you see the How Did You Hear About Us box, be sure to write Locked On so they know we sent you. There's no membership fee, and everyone pays the same prices no matter your level of experience. Trust RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're going to take a look at some of the stuff surrounding the NHL trade market and whether or not Winnipeg needs to be engaged. Before we get ahead of ourselves, though, you should hear about why Locked On Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lochna Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Speaking of the latest updates in news and sports, I thought it would be prudent to talk about the Winnipeg Jets and the trade deadline because there's a lot of moving parts and one of the biggest acquisitions that the Jets could make, Marius Ekholm, might not actually be on the move. Rumors are swirling that now that Nashville is in fact shopping some of the players on its roster, they might be more interested in moving Ryan Ellis, who's got plenty of term left on his contract, instead of Ellis is an interesting one because right now I believe he's still injured after his surgery and he's not going to be back for the remainder of the season so if you're buying in on Ellis you're looking for the long term future rather than the present. If I recall correctly, Ellis has something like six years left on his deal, so it's obvious that if you're bringing him in, it's a big cap hit with a a major commitment, but we all know that Ryan Ellis, at his best, is truly an elite top-four defender. In many ways, he is the exact kind of defender that the Jets need, somebody with extreme puck-moving capabilities and a really natural offensive instinct, but by the same token, you know, that's a pretty big contract commitment. I have a feeling Nashville values him highly, and I I, I see the Jets having issues long-term if they try to bring him in. Eckholm might also be very valuable at the trade deadline because he's got another season after this. And let's be honest, Eckholm is in fact at least, you know, a number 2D. For the Jets, he'd be a clear-cut number one, and it's not really going to be close. He'd be the best defender the Jets have on their roster, certainly by, you know, impacts just about everywhere on the ice. This year, he's not been as defensively sound, but with how much he's creating in the offensive zone, I think he can live with it. Nashville might also be shopping Victor Arvidson, so it seems like there's a lot of moving parts here where if Eckholm doesn't go, guys like Arvidson and, uh, you know, Ryan Ellis might be on the move. Now, if Arvidsson is in fact available at a decent price, I, I think that you have to take the plunge. Victor's been a really fun second line player for a very long time, and certainly somebody who could be plugged into a first line role. We've seen him be an amazingly great scorer in tight spaces. He's got a lot of creativity on the puck. And even though he has regressed over the past couple of seasons, I imagine that a change of scenery could sort of reveal a lot of the skill and talent that he still has, which Arvidsson is an immensely great player, especially for around four and a half and five million. So if you're the Jets and you, you you see an opportunity here where maybe you don't get Ekholm, but Arvidsson is available for a similar package, I think you have to do it. The Jets don't necessarily need to focus on trying to find that elite defenseman if, in fact, they try to stack and overload their forwards. If you can sort of cover over your lack of defensive structure, you can maybe get away with bringing in Arvidsson for at least a couple of seasons. He certainly gives Winnipeg's top six some serious transition oomph, and he also gives them natural finishing ability. I think we've all noticed that the Jets, for some reason, just aren't finishing as many chances as they used to. I think that there are certainly some coaching reasons as to why this is, but I also think that the Jets maybe lack some of the elite shooters that they used to have. You know, Patrick Laine opened up a lot of space, and he also has a cannon of a shot. Now that the scoring is maybe a little bit more distributed, I I do see that the Jets probably need, like, another high-end finisher from somewhere. And if Arvidsson is there, I would have to say the Jets should be asking. The Yotes are apparently also maybe shopping Connor Garland, and if Garland is also available, the Jets have to be in on that deal if they can't get somebody like Arvidsson. In my opinion, I think Garland is maybe even a safer bet. Connor seems to be just a really well-rounded forward, somebody who's really great at getting in close, He's got pretty decent skating, especially with a decent top gear, and certainly his release and shot are all very well placed, and he certainly has a a strong ability to elevate that puck and snipe over a goalie's shoulder, which is something that's very important for where Winnipeg needs to actually be scoring goals. Right now, they keep trying to drive it into goalie pads or into center of mass targeting. I think if you bring in a sniper like Connor Garland, Somebody who's also not just a sniper, but is actually a fairly gifted playmaker, I think you're going to be very happy if you pay like a first round plus a prospect. Because of Garland's age, I would imagine that he'd certainly be very hotly uh, contested by a lot of other teams. I would imagine that he's not going to be cheap because he is like a 25-ish goal scorer, I would say. Uh, So, you know... Connor might be a little bit too much for the Jets, but if he's available at a reasonable price, I'd definitely consider him as well. On the sneakier side, if you're looking for a really good value puck-moving D, I'd take a look at either one of Christian Jews or maybe Troy Stetcher. Stetcher for me is the one with a lot more value just because He's a known commodity, he's a very good offensive-minded D, he's on a fairly short-term deal so it's not like the Jets have a massive commitment on him, and of course Detroit's in a position where they're basically looking for prospects and picks. If the Jets can't get one of like a, a, you know, a Marius Ekholm or a David Savard at a cheap price, Stetcher might be a really good replacement and somebody that the Jets should absolutely be looking at. All of this said, I'm honestly not sure if actually acquiring somebody, especially on the blue line, is what Winnipeg should be doing. I think that the Jets kind of need to see what they've got internally, especially when it comes to Dylan Sandberg and Billy Heinola. I know it's probably not going to happen, but the Jets have some so-called internal rentals that I think they're overlooking, and it's partly because Maurice just won't play the rookies and trusts his veterans more, which for me is very frustrating. I feel like the Jets have a lot of options internally where they could probably plug some gaps and get some of these kids' actual NHL game time. People will say, well, they're getting that in the AHL, but when you think about it, the AHL itself is not like the world's greatest league. I I think if you've got somebody who's like really smart in the way that Villy is, he needs to be getting NHL reps and the best way to do that and also help your team win games is to get him playing with, you know, the big club. Winnipeg's defense right now is basically held together by duct tape and glue, so I'm not really holding my breath that the Jets' defense is going to be anywhere near playoff ready when the postseason rolls around. Heinle can be that linking guy that you need, somebody who creates offense in the offensive zone, who can link your breakouts in the neutral zone, who can chaperone the puck inside his own DZ and get it out. He can also quarterback a power play very competently. I mean, Heinle just does everything really well, and I feel like his exact skill set is what the Jets are missing right now. Even Sandberg would be a really powerful presence on Winnipeg's blue line because let's be honest, the Jets don't have many puck-carrying D and a lot of the guys that they do have are maybe a little bit overwhelmed with their current roles. Should the Jets spend at the deadline? I, I don't know. I feel like Winnipeg has enough tactical issues and roster deficiencies where I, I don't know if acquiring 1D is going to fix it. I think they would need to make two to three trades probably. And with the Seattle expansion draft coming, I just don't really feel comfortable making like any sort of big commitment where the Jets are going to be forced to make a really difficult roster decision that you know costs them somebody like Mason Appleton. Overall, my take is sit tight at the deadline. If a good deal for a quality player that you can protect comes along, sure, do it. But otherwise, you know, maybe just see what you've got internally first. In a little bit, we'll kind of change gears and talk about something that very interestingly happened between Detroit and the uh, other Nashville Predators in a game in which a referee said something that maybe the hot mics probably didn't want to pick up and ultimately what this kind of says about the NHL as a whole. But before then, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.ag needs to be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the Wild West that is online betting, it's hard to know a reliable name that you can trust consistently, and that covers all the favorite sports you could possibly want. If you're still hunting, look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Even if you're not into sports, BetOnline still has your back because they cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you want to place a bet on who the next Stanley Cup champion is going to be or which contestant might be getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. You'll always be in the loop on every new event so you can keep the good times rolling. Getting started couldn't be easier. Just go to betonline.ag, and when you register for a free account on your desktop or your mobile device, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm very much a big fan of built Bars, if you somehow don't know what a Bilt Bar is, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's amazingly low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and it's absolutely delicious. It's the only protein bar that's more like a candy bar, and every single Bilt Bar is always coated in 100% chocolate. Bilt Bars come in tons and tons of flavors, but let's be real. There can only be one truly greatest flavor, and now it's your turn to figure out which one it is. Welcome to Built Bar Madness, the tastiest bracket challenge you'll have in all of March. We're already several rounds deep, and we're starting to find our finalists for the last eight or so flavors to match up and determine which flavor reigns supreme. Right now, we've got Coconut Brownie Chunk versus Lemon Almond Cheesecake. Initially, I thought Lemon Almond Cheesecake might be my favorite, but Coconut Brownie Chunk kind of maybe takes that little bit of edge for me. The textural changes, the flavor, everything just really works. I love this flavor. It's probably one of my top three Built Bars. And that's saying a lot because I honestly thought Lemon Almond Cheesecake was fantastic. But if you think differently or you also agree with me, be sure to head on over to builtbarcom slash pages slash brackets and cast your vote right now. While you're there, don't forget to stock up on Bilt Bars and be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 to receive 15% off your next order. Check back every weekday to see which Bilt Bar flavors emerged victorious and cast your vote on the next matchup. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out our slightly shorter end segment here with some interesting thoughts about a situation that occurred between the Nashville Predators and the Detroit Red Wings. Funny enough, it wasn't an altercation between the, the players necessarily. What happened was there was a penalty called, and a ref was actually on a hot mic, and he said something to the effect of, I wanted to give the Preds a penalty. Now, in the context of things, I'm sure what he was trying to say was that he maybe missed a call somewhere, or maybe he gave... The Preds, a few too many power plays, needed to give them some kind of a penalty kill situation, so I understand his thinking in trying to keep things even, but what I feel like this illustrates is that the NHL has a really bad officiating problem. Oftentimes, the standards never are, are enforced in a way that makes sense. It's always very up and down, it's very subjective, and look, I get it. Hockey moves at a ridiculously fast pace, which means a lot of calls go missed, or, or guys just can't really see the right angle to make the appropriate referee decision at the time of the incident. I'm not going to discuss video review because, let's be honest, a lot of it's pretty useless and I feel like that's an entirely separate animal to deal with, but at a very basic level, NHL officiating is just kind of a joke. Oftentimes, really bad hits don't seem to get called, or if they do, it's like a two-minute minor and not a five-minute major like it should be. Video reviews often don't make sense and we've often seen decisions on the ice that just are are extremely puzzling or very soft calls or, you know, calls that are actually way too harsh. And what particularly bugs people is when one call isn't actually called again when it happens in the exact same manner or is actually even worse the next time because the referee thinks, well, I've I've given out too many power plays to this one team or maybe I just want to let this one go this sort of subjectivity and and laissez-faire or maybe trying to alter the state of the game or, or alter the flow because you feel you've been too lenient to one team or something, it's potentially affecting the outcome of these games. It's not exactly like it's a guaranteed thing. I can't say that one or two penalties called here or there or another one let go has directly affected the scoreline. I don't recall any particular situations where I can certifiably prove that this happened in some way. I'm sure it does happen, I just don't know which game specifically because it happens in so many situations where oftentimes you would think something needs to get called, or something shouldn't be called and is. And maybe they don't score, maybe they do, you know, it's a weird situation where I think you need to do a lot of data analysis to see how much officiating is actually impacting it and whether or not the changes are significant enough to where you actually need to make some sort of, like, legislation about it in terms of NHL officiating rule sets. This hot mic stuff, though, regardless of what your opinion is on it, just really isn't acceptable, and it's the kind of thing that should get an official fired, because Basically, you're deciding the the flow of a game, and that's not what the officials are for. They're supposed to be enforcing the rules and ensuring everyone plays to the same standards and, and keeps everything clean, right? So I'm obviously very troubled by this. I think it's sort of something that we all knew was going on. Maybe we haven't seen it so blatantly, but now we know NHL officials are trying to manage the flow of the game rather than being people who are sort of safeguards there for the players and making sure everyone plays by the same rules. I'd love to know your thoughts on this, so be sure to reach out to me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LL underscore Winnipeg Jets and give me your hottest takes and maybe I'll talk about them on the next episode. That will conclude tonight's episode, though. We will uh, have an episode sometime tomorrow or maybe on Thursday early in the morning once the uh, the game is done because it's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern start for my time, which is just pretty bleh when I'm trying to record. That is going to wrap it up for tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked on Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!